Good morning, everybody. It is Pastor Paul here at Four Oaks Church. It's Thursday, November 18th, 2021. It's kind of a sleepy, hazy Thursday morning. I've got my cup of joe, and we are digging into Romans. We call this time Romans Rewind. We take 5, 10, 15 minutes Monday through Friday to unpack a portion of Romans, and this is sort of paralleling our sermon series on Sunday morning. So when we're preaching through Romans, a, a, a book we're calling Rags to Righteous, there's so much in Romans. It is so rich. It is so deep. It is so theological. There is not enough time, right, to talk about all the things that we would want to talk about. And we could spend the rest of our life on Romans and not get everything out of it because it's the, the living word of God. So we take these times to focus on something um, in a little bit more and a little bit more depth that we maybe only touched upon on Sunday morning. And for, for this go around this week, we're in Romans chapter five. And we've been specifically last day or two talking about suffering. And so I want to read the passage again for us and continue that discussion. Paul says in Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. Not only that, we, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that in suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay, so... One of the things that Paul does here is he's talking about the benefits or the blessings of justification, of being made right before God. And the first two that he mentions in these verses, we really resonate with, right? This idea that we have access through faith, this idea that we have peace with God, um, those preach, right? Those resonate. But then Paul throws this third one in there. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings. And he says, seemingly, or not seemingly, definitely, that suffering is one of the blessings of God. It's a gift of God to those who have been justified. And we've been asking why, why does Paul say that? Well, obviously the Christian is the, is the one person in the universe, Christians, plural, who have a purpose behind their suffering, who know what that purpose is. And Paul lists one of those purposes here in the text, right? It's essentially sanctification. It's essentially change. It's essentially making us more like Christ. And you see this sort of chain reaction, as Tim Keller calls it, happening in the text. We, 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 we talk about how suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. So we are hope-filled sufferers. Well, yesterday, we talked about a second reason that, that God has called believers into this blessing of suffering, and it's found in Colossians 1. And Paul says there that we are filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. And by that, he doesn't mean that the afflictions of Christ are somehow lacking, okay, or, or in need of something or, or a deficit in, in what they accomplish. No, no, no. What he means is that the believer's life is always an opportunity to publicly identify with the sufferings of Christ. And as we are suffering, to identify ourselves with Christ, and to put on display for people who may not be, know about the sufferings of Christ, we put those sufferings on display in our bodies, in our lives, so that people look and they ask questions and they wonder 
why is it that we seem to have joy in our suffering, even as we're being sorrowful and grieving? Why, why is there this deep-rooted, eternal joy? And suffering gives the believer the opportunity to be a witness for the sufferings of Christ. Well, one of you guys um, submitted a question about this, and I think it's it's a it's a great question. And I'll paraphrase the question, but it's essentially like this. And by the way, you can always e email the questions, paul.gilbert at fouroakschurch.com. And the question was essentially this. If sufferings, in fact, are a gift from God, and in many ways a blessing, and that God does a sanctifying work and focuses us on Him and puts His sufferings on display, then to what degree should a believer embrace their suffering? And by that, I think this person means, is there a limit? Um, should we not do anything to remove human suffering, whether it's ours or other people? And you can see the logical um connection in this question, right? If sufferings are a gift, then are we sort of denying the gift of God given to us by um, doing things to alleviate suffering, even our own, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, relational? And the short answer, I think, is no, that those things are not antithetical, that, that at one and the same time, sufferings are produced by God sovereignly um, providentially in the life of the believer to accomplish a million things, okay, in God's plan, for God's glory, for our good, etc. While at the same time, we also have this clear command, um, for example, to love our neighbor. And, and there is the continual Old Testament call about, hey, the, the widow, the orphan, the, the alien, uh, don't forget them, okay? They're, God loves them too. And so it's interesting God has brought suffering into the lives of some of these people that he's in turn calling us to help to alleviate their suffering. And, and let me give you two, I think, prime examples from the ministry of Paul, which helped to illuminate this, okay? Um, or actually, let's go three, all right? We'll, we'll do three this morning. Um, one, we know that um, the early church, particularly the church in Judea and Jerusalem, suffered greatly. Um, there was a, a region-wide famine uh, that impacted um, the early church and Christians and uh, those who were, were kind of in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, that area. And one of Paul's chief ends was to help alleviate their suffering. And so Paul would go around and in his missionary travels, collect money from the different churches to support their Jewish brothers and sisters, the Christian Jewish Christians back in Jerusalem. Now let's think about this from the um, Jerusalem Christians' perspective, um, they're suffering. And they are being um, tested in their faith. They are, they are being um, you know, tempered and sanctified, and they are praying, and they are calling out to God, and they're doing all the things that we think God calls them to do to faithfully alleviate suffering. But at the same time, right, Paul is attempting to come to their aid, so they would not be in so much physical suffering. And, and again, that's not antithetical to what's going on. It's simply a statement of fact that there are, there are two things going on in the, in the providence of God. One is God ordains all suffering for the good of his people. But number two, he calls his people to help alleviate one another's sufferings, all right? And so, for example, so that's a good example. So Paul collects the money takes it to help alleviate the physical suffering of the church in Jerusalem. A, a second example, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 
um, he's writing to those who find themselves to be household slaves or servants of people there in the church in Corinth. And again, you can look at it from their perspective. This is part of their God-ordained suffering. It's part of their what they're, what they're called to embrace and do to glorify God. But yet, what does Paul tell them? He says, if you can secure your freedom, do it, all right? So that's an example of not just Paul trying to alleviate another Christian's suffering. It's a call for Christians to alleviate their own suffering, right? So Paul said, don't, don't, uh, if you've, if you've got your chance, take it, right? Um, improve your lot. We could, we could apply this in a million ways. Just think about a marriage and God has, has ordained marriage, not just to make us happy, but to make us holy. And, and so not, not, a, not an original quote from me. So, so don't give me credit for that one, but Again, does that mean a, a couple should not be striving together to improve and work on their marriage? Of course they should, while at the same time acknowledging that the sufferings and the hardships and the conflict they do experience is part of what God is using to, to sanctify and to change them. Um, well, one more example, and, and, th and this one I think goes back to, yes, believers are called um, to embrace their suffering as a, as a means of God's grace, while at the same time attempting to alleviate it. But what happens if we can't alleviate that suffering? And so, so a good example, again, from the life of Paul, is Paul's thorn in the flesh. We don't know what Paul, in his letter to the, to the church in Corinth, we don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. We don't know if it was psychological or mental. Um, some theorize, and I think this is what I would probably think as well, that his eyesight, um, he had some sort of eye disease. You can see evidence of this in Paul's letters. Um, don't have time to go into it now. But Paul came to God pleading that God would take away this thorn in the flesh. He came to God asking that God, that this thing that God was using to sanctify him, he in fact would remove. And he said that he asked three times and God said no. And that his grace was sufficient for Paul. And so sometimes even though we move towards people in their suffering, we move to help alleviate suffering, sometimes um, God has called that person or us to just endure in that suffering. Um, he's not going to take it away because of his mysterious providential purposes. It isn't wrong to attempt to alleviate it, but at some point, especially with Paul, he had the clear indication from God. He had asked God repeatedly to take away this suffering. God said no, and so Paul rested in the providence of God. And we can think about our own lives, right? That there might be things that we have asked God, whether it's a relationship or something in parenting or financial, to some, some trouble that God would, would alleviate for us. Um, but God has said no, or God, is, God has said wait, or God said right, not right now. And so when that happens, we can sort of kick against the goads, right? By attempting to buck the very clear hand and direction of God. For example, some of you might be in a job you hate, right? Um, and you might have looked and looked and looked and not found a job, and but you realize this job is providing for my family. This job is allowing me to accomplish a greater good. Um, was Is it wrong or was it wrong to look for another job? No, not necessarily. However, sometimes there comes a place where you sense God's clear leading to say, wait, be patient, let my grace be sufficient for you. And obviously, Prayer goes into that, reading God's word, counsel from spiritual um, um, authorities or pastors or community group leaders or friends are all part of that mix and discerning that. Okay, so that's where we are, um, Romans chapter 5.
Hope you're back with us tomorrow. That will be Friday, the last one before the holiday break. And I'll talk some more about that tomorrow. But for now, let me pray for us. Lord, pray that you'd go before us today. Lord, give us the wisdom to know when we are just simply to be patient and endure, when we are to press forward with alleviating our, our own or other suffering. But always, always, Lord, a trust in you that you're, you know best and that your providential care for us um, is indeed part of your love for us. Lord, give us that perspective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.